It was a normal Saturday morning routine at the Belkin household. We had all sorts of different things that we wanted to do because it was the weekend, but we always knew that there was a list of chores that needed to be completed first. One of them was cleaning our room. Now we knew kind of what this would take and how much effort we were going to have to give out to make this happen, but there was a trick that we had. And it was something we called creative restructuring. Now with this, it wasn't exactly what mom had in mind whenever she said, clean your room. To be fair, it was in fact exactly what it sounds like, that we were taking all of the stuff that was on the floor and we were finding places to put it. If the closet was open, it went there. Or maybe that spot underneath the bed, we would stick it there. And we would find all sorts of different places and creative places even to find those ways that we could get that work done efficiently. But there was a problem with that, that eventually it would catch up with us, that those spots would be full of things and then we would really have to clean and we would really have to put in effort later. And as often as we did that, so often in our lives, we have to think about very difficult things. And one of the most difficult things that we likely don't like to think about very much is the end. In fact, that moment whenever God tells us that our time on this earth is up and that we're called before him to see exactly how good our life has been or how bad it has been. That moment whenever it's all over and everything's decided that we don't like to think about that, but there's several different ways that we can approach it on this earth. We can approach it as if it doesn't matter, that we can live lives of indifference or simply ignorance, that we decide that that point doesn't matter, that it's far off in the future, we don't have to worry about it. Or maybe we can live in fear and trepidation, that we feel that God isn't going to give us the kingdom of heaven, that he in fact does not want to let us into the halls of that heavenly banquet. But maybe there's a better way. Maybe we can actually look at this and see that, yes, it is difficult to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is difficult to live out a Christian life, but it's still worth it, and we still give our every effort, and we live out our lives in discipline. Because that's, in fact, what the liturgy is inviting us into consider this morning. So we start off with the book of the prophet Isaiah. To set up the context, we're in the latter part of this book, that we're actually in the third part, and it's that part of restoration. But there's a problem because the Israelites at this time, even though they're starting to get back into the groove, that they're starting to see that the Lord is acting in their life, they're starting to become discouraged, that they see all of the rebuilding that has to be done and they feel like they're never going to return to that normal place. And Isaiah knows this. And because he is the Lord's mouthpiece, he goes and speaks into that desolation and that despair that he wants to give them that encouragement that in fact the Lord is going to restore them. What does he say? I'm going to gather all of you from all of the nations, that I'm going to restore you back to this place. Even your brothers and sisters I'm going to bring here. I'm going to send out all these messengers over all of the earth so that they know about the glory of this place. And so he's telling them that there is going to be this restoration. There's this point that they can hope for, but they simply have to live it out. And that there's this moment that they're going to experience such great generosity from the Lord that even their horses, their mules, all of their carts, everything's going to be put back exactly the way it was. But they have to wait and they have to live in that hope and that expectation. Such is what Isaiah desires for them and what the Lord is speaking to them through him. Then we move on to the letter of the Hebrews, and there's one central word that this letter seeks to give us this morning, discipline. 
Now, discipline is sometimes, it seems like a dirty word, that it seems like it's something that's really difficult to live out, and even it can seem like it's negative because we feel like the Lord is actually imposing something very difficult to live out. But discipline in this case is different. Because if we go back to the Greek etymology and we see what exactly is going on, we understand that discipline encourages us to think of ourselves as sons and daughters. That we're in fact looking and we're seeing God, our Heavenly Father, who seeks to be in relationship, in such a relationship of importance that He wants to give us discipline. He wants to give us strength. He wants to help us to live our lives well. But the Hebrews had forgotten that, that they didn't want to live in discipline, but they simply wanted to live and let live, to simply go about their daily business as they saw fit. But the author here is trying to give them something important, that the Lord does require discipline. He wants them to live as a disciple, one who's continuing to seek the master and to do his bidding. And so as they go through, there's this encouragement to consider exactly what the Lord's telling them to do, to live out that discipline, to live out in strength, so that it won't be too much in the end. And then to continue this stream of thought, we move into the Gospel of Luke. And so one of his disciples, they approach and they ask, Lord, will only a few people be in the kingdom of God? And it seems like it's almost a hopeless question because they see all of the different things that Jesus is asking and requiring of them. And so they ask this question, is it going to be extremely difficult to get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus doesn't necessarily directly answer this question, but he does give us some idea of what exactly he's asking. So he goes in this first sort of statement, strive to enter through the narrow gate, for I tell you many will seek to enter but will not be strong enough. And then he goes into the story that the master goes in and locks the house and there are all sorts of people standing outside the house. Lord, open the door for us. I do not know where you're from. But we ate and drank in your presence. We were there. You preached in our streets. I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, you evildoers. And it's this shrill warning that it seems like the Lord is almost being insensitive. Or he's being very harsh. But in fact, he's telling us something important and something to consider. Because as we go through life, it can be so easy to simply skate through, to try and do the bare minimum or take the easy way out, much like whenever my brothers and I were cleaning our rooms. We simply wanted to get the job apparently done, but not really change our hearts and our souls, or not really do the deep and nitty-gritty work that needed to be done. And that, in fact, is where the Lord is challenging us. But first, we should consider the positivity of what's going on here. Because if we go back to Isaiah, it's not just a message from so long ago, but in fact, it's a message for right here and right now. Because when he's speaking about gathering all of the nations, he's speaking about the kingdom of heaven. That's our restoration. That's our moment of hope. Because, in fact, he's going to send out and tell about his glory because we're all going to be seeing the beatific vision. That, in fact, it's possible to enter into God's presence and be there forever. So, in fact, the kingdom of heaven is a very real place. But it requires much to get there. But we should also look at the letter to the Hebrews because it reminds us that all of us are invited into this special relationship with God our Father. That in fact we're invited in as sons and daughters and not just in name only, but in fact in the ways that he challenges us to live out our faith well and to live it out effectively. Because he's not just giving us a title, he's not just slapping something on that doesn't mean anything, but in fact he's telling us that it does require discipline, it requires strength to be my child. 
but in fact, I'm going to give you the grace to do it if you're willing to accept it. And so the letter to the Hebrews, it reminds us of that special relationship that we're invited into, that yes, it does require work and it requires effort, but in fact, it's something fulfilling and something rewarding at the end of our days. But then we should move to the Gospel of Luke, because here is really the meat and potatoes of what the Lord is asking us to do. Because he does remind us, whenever that simple question comes up, Lord, will only a few people be saved? Will there only be a few people in the kingdom of God? That Jesus hears exactly what they're asking. Is it difficult to enter the kingdom of God? And in fact, he responds and says, yes, it is. That in fact, you should strive to enter through the narrow gate. What that means for us is actually doing the work of getting to the kingdom of God. Not just assuming that it's going to be freely given to us, but in fact, by Jesus Christ and by what he's done, that it's possible to enter into this beautiful place and enter into the presence of God forever, where we were designed to be for all of eternity. Then in fact, it's possible, but it's difficult. Because even if we look at this story, we have to understand that it's not just him speaking to people so long ago in an abstract way, but in fact, we can look at this and apply it in a very specific and real way to our own case and our own scenario. Because whenever the people reply to the master when he says, I do not know where you're from, but we ate and drank in your company, another way we can think of this, we ate and drank the Eucharist at Mass. We were there. We received your Eucharist. We received your body and blood. But in fact, the problem is if we don't let that change our hearts and our souls, if we don't truly receive the Lord and we simply live in ignorance of the fact of what happens here, the Eucharist is vitally important. But if we don't actually let it change our hearts and our souls, then it's not going to do us much good or it's not going to bear much fruit. And so it's important and vital to see that. Or even you preached in our streets. And we can even say that in a certain way. We listened to the homily on Sundays. We heard it. The priest did a great job, hopefully, that we can listen and we can hear it. But in fact, the problem is that they never invited the Lord in. They were always listening to the Lord preaching out on the street, but they never actually did anything to bring it into their hearts and their souls, to assimilate it to their lives and try to live it out on a day-to-day basis. Because that's where the Lord gives his indictment, that you did all of these things, you were there, sure, but you never actually lived in faith. You never actually let it change your heart and your soul. And that's the root and the part and parcel of what it is to be a disciple. Because it's not just a name, it's not just a title, it's not just something that we kind of slap on ourselves and then we go through life and live as if it doesn't matter. But in fact, the Lord is reminding us, it does take strength, it takes ability, and we have to continue to seek after him each and every day. But the question is, we consider, where is the Lord calling us to be a better disciple? Where is he calling us to enter deeper into that relationship and in fact seek him more closely? Is it in our daily prayer life? Could we be doing more there? Or maybe the way that we attend Mass, that maybe we're so often distracted by so many different things, and we don't really make an effort to apply ourselves and make the Mass, or allow the Mass, to change our hearts and our souls. We're simply living out in our daily world. Then we're not kind, we're not charitable, or we don't give a good example as we should. And maybe that's the small way the Lord wants us to change this week. 
Because there's all sorts of ways that we can live in our approach to king, the kingdom of God. We can live indifferently. We can live in ignorance and say that it doesn't matter, that the Lord will take care of everything. But he reminds us that there's more here. Or we can live in fear and dread. We can live as if we're going to endure some sort of punishment or the Lord's out for vengeance. But he reminds us to have the discipline of his children because he adopts us into that relationship. Then we're really only left with one choice to live as faithful disciples that believe every word that the Lord has said, to indeed have that strength and that endurance to do what the Lord requires and to take no shortcuts, but to in fact live our faith day in and day out, to do whatever it takes, because we know that the Lord is calling our name and he wants us to enter the kingdom of heaven. But we have to be willing to do that work. So my brothers and sisters, as we behold what's going on and as we consider the kingdom of God, which we seek to enter at the end of our days, let's continue to hear those words that Jesus gives us today. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. Don't take the easy way out, but live your faith in a way that continues to express your devotion, your endurance, your strength, and your discipline. Because we know that if we live this out faithfully day in and day out, then truly we will one day enter into that kingdom where the master says, well done, good and faithful servant, where we can enter the kingdom of God.